Hey guys, welcome to Layers of Design, a podcast where we'll be sharing stories and experiences from different designers in the design field. My name is Ebehi Jerere, and I'll be your host. So sit back, listen, and enjoy. I have my special guest, Claudia Garcia, who's a Miami-based designer, um, and she's also a structures professor at FIU. I really wanted to come on here and have a conversation with her, especially about, um, you know, our series, The Presence of Art in Design, because I think you have a very unique perspective in the design field and the architecture field. And I remember when we were back in FIU and your project, especially leading up to your thesis projects, you were still very involved with like your hand drawings and you were still in touch with that. So yeah, I wanted you to share some insight about all of that. So welcome. Thank you for having me. No problem. So tell us a bit about yourself. So currently I'm an operations manager at DSS Condo. So I've taken a couple of turns from architecture school and I'm currently doing construction management. So my role is a little bit more global. I deal with a lot of training, onboarding, taking a look at our organization and how we're running things, how the employees see it, how we can grow, and all of those kind of perspectives that have been very different from coming to architecture school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that it has been really interesting to see things from a global perspective as an owner's rep. Mm. So what we do is all of our clients are condominium associations, which happen to be a pretty challenging client. And in the process, we get to oversee design, whether it's structural engineers, MEP engineers, designers, interior architects, whatever the case is, depending on the scope of work, we're overseeing all of those people. And we're basically pulling the strings on behalf of the association or the owner. So we've been able to to look at things very differently than in architecture school. Yeah. So it's it's given me a lot of perspective in the past four years looking at things from like the bird's eye view oh wow and are you um i guess are you involved with like are you still in touch with the drawings or you're more managerial position a little bit of both i don't do any of the drawings but i oversee the content so that's the interesting perspective so i'm telling designers from the client's perspective this is what you need to include this scope of work is off these are the timelines and deadlines you have to meet. So really pushing people to deliver to give a product mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. the client is going to like and make sure that it's what they're paying for, right? So we manage them on all kinds of avenues and just keeping up with everyone and pushing people to deliver and making sure that they're doing what their role is supposed to be. So I'm in touch with drawings when the designers have to produce these things. Mm -hmm. I get to present to associations and their residents, which sometimes is a positive experience because you have a lot of people giving back feedback about design. Everyone has an opinion. Exactly. Meetings. (laughs) Exactly. And sometimes it's challenging because the building's perspective is not the designer's so there's conflict there of course of course so that that's an interesting role to be in because i'm like the intermediary between people who may or may not know how to express a vision and people who are professional and that's their entire career in designing their own visions oh wow so nice nice so um 
from the transition between architecture school to now, would you consider going back to focusing on the drawings aspect or you're really interested in, I guess, taking this current position further? I'd like to stay where I am, meaning I I see a benefit to this role that I would not have been able to take in an architecture firm. So my biggest fear coming out of school was being in a firm stuck, basically drawing bathrooms yeah. and meeting ADA <laughs> compliance in bathrooms for a year. I don't know. I think that was a big deterrent for me, not knowing if I was going to have opportunity for growth and being limited in those kind of settings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this really let me take off and learn all kinds of things, whether it's life safety or structural ways to innovate or or approach a problem differently and talk to all different kinds of engineers and architects and see how they problem solve. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know how I could go back to just doing drawings. It seems very um, stagnant at this point. Oh, wow. But I think that in the long run, I did architecture. I studied architecture. I want to get my license. I want to be able to complete that professional experience and kind of tie that knot mm-hmm, that I mm-hmm. that I started on my journey uh, but I don't know the winding road that's gonna get me there so we're that's gonna, I'm just gonna yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's take a quick step back mm-hmm. so tell me how or tell us how you got inspired to be an architect or to pursue architecture sure my mom was an architecture professor at in Santa Clara in Cuba. Oh wow. So she was a professor for about 17 years until we came to this country. But as a as a designer studio professor, she had a, a lot of insight that she would just talk to me about. Mm-hmm. And my father was a mechanical engineer. So wow. my two parents had the most design-oriented careers out of my family. Everyone else was doctors. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a little bit different. But my brother actually went to architecture school first. He went to the FIU program and graduated before he was even a master's program. And I saw what he went through, unfortunately. And, and went... you still decided to go ahead. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the interesting perspective for me was when I was in high school trying to make that decision of what journey I'm going to take on for my career. Mm-hmm. It was between law and design. And the hardest, I, all my skill set was really focused in the law route. Okay. Good at reading and writing, excelled at those classes. So I just, I had a, a natural strength in that, but I could not see my life without design. I felt like if I went to law school or pursued that route and I didn't go to design school, there would be an absence of understanding design and its role in life mm. that I would not get in law school. And I feel like if I went down that path, at some point it would be too late to go to back. To go back, yeah. That's that's an interesting perspective. But you know, I've I think I've I've actually come across a couple people who have been ter- torn between architecture and law. I mean, I feel like there's there's such different careers mm-hmm. almost, but people seem to be. I think it's the the analytical brain that's that's trying to reach for both. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. before I started school, I, I would not have thought that there was so many different perspectives in architecture school. I didn't even know that different architecture schools had different schools of thought. I know. It's, it's amazing how different every school is. Right. So I didn't know that FIU would be a design-oriented school versus a technical school. I think I got lucky in that sense because I didn't know what I was approaching and what I was 
being molded mm-hmm. in. And I think that was really beneficial, but I, I mean, I had no idea. I was just walking into it <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind of blind, you know, here are my next five years and let's see how we get to the end. Yeah, I know. School was blind. I was. I feel like I was blindsided. Definitely. Throughout school. Like. <laughs> Especially first year when you walk in there being an overachiever. And then... <laughs> With a cute project. That killed me. I was yeah. like, what the hell? I mean, professors had no no way of explaining to students that you're not going to get a grade until midterm. This is totally different than your assignments from before. That was... Yeah, that was that was different. It was a big learning curve, yeah. It was. Um, what was I going to... Also, do you feel like in design school, in architecture school, do you think you honed your skills in design? And do you feel like you... You kind of got that sense of what you were looking for when you, you know, when you were making that decision mm-hmm. between architecture and law. Do you feel like you got that in design school? I definitely do. And it's different than I thought I would. I thought I was going to come out there being able to take on any of my family members or friends and just, you know, be that designer that everyone's jokes throughout school. Like, oh, you're going to design my house one day. Oh, yeah. That, that whole concept it, I, it got turned on his head because what I realized is that through design school, I learned how to think. Yes. And I think that's so important. I think that's so important. It, it told me how I have to go across problems for solving them. And there was a whole procedure and it allowed me to understand, one, how I think, the best way that I can produce things that had substance or, mm-hmm. or thought behind it and how to get that across it basically taught us how to set expectations. Meet deadlines. Meet deadlines. Have a certain bare minimum that you have to meet that's required, right? Whether yeah. it's a section, an elevation, plans, renderings. I mean, I wasn't a fan of renderings. Anyone who went to school with me knows that. <laughs> you really were. <laughs> I was thinking about the future, thinking, you know, they're going to outsource these things. So I'm going to focus on my plans and sections while I can. But I think that being able to go step by step in how you problem solve Mm -hmm. is something that is almost not taught, but it's through the design process of sitting there every day trying to figure out how can I present something with these requirements, with these thought patterns, with the research, with the location, and then things start emerging and certain patterns of thought that kind of allow you to see patterns in your own design mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. It starts, you like develop mm-hmm. your own sorry for cutting you off you develop your own like i guess design style exactly and you start seeing oh these things actually matter to me this is what i'm drawn to and it's funny because i i was reviewing portfolios not too long ago at, at the fiu event and i think the biggest part that i wanted to convey to people that were putting these portfolios together is the whole point of a portfolio is for you to give your design narrative. Who yes, are you? Yes. What are you trying to say through your designs, through your portfolio? Mm-hmm. Right. It's not just something that you have to do for POP, right? And- <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes. the, the point is you need to convey who you are as a person. I can have a conversation with you and you can tell me who you are. But if you can graphically represent what is something that you value, mm-hmm. the kind of design morals that you have... And what you're trying to convey in your journey through doing that, that's what that's what I think the portfolio is supposed to convey. 100%. So I, I realized that after I graduated, of Me course. Me too. I, I know I'm saying this. I actually realized this a couple of months ago. I was like, 
oh wait, my portfolio doesn't like explain or express what I'm going for, what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I had to take a step back to go through all of my projects and mm-hmm. weed out a bunch of projects, even from school that just, I, I wasn't in touch with. This isn't why mm-hmm. I got into architecture, you know? So that's very important. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I guess what aspects of design are you most passionate about or are you drawn to? Okay. So this is a tough one for me because design is so broad, right? When uh-huh. people say, oh, uh-huh. I'm a designer. Well, what does that mean? Exactly. Are you a graphic designer, a fashion designer, interior designer, architect, furniture? It goes, I mean, the list goes on forever. Yeah. But I think that design is this, I know it has a definition, but to me, it's like this undefined element of our world that we're constantly moving in. Hmm. So everything that we have touched on our daily basis is, has been designed by someone. We just don't know who. And I think that when there is good design in the world and you come across something that has been thoughtful, that's what makes a difference. Keyword, good design. Good design, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's, I think that, when you come across something that is really thoughtful and purposeful, mm-hmm. I think that that makes design so much more powerful. And I think that one thing that I used to have a conflict was, especially in school when I was learning about quote unquote design, mm-hmm. was am, am I looking at what is good design from the perspective of purpose? Because mm. that's what I was drawn to. So if something has purpose, it's inherently beautiful. Wow. Or am I just making something beautiful? Like aesthetically pleasing. Right. And then I think through time I have come across examples of things that are just inherently beautiful because it's what they are. Yeah. Whether it's fashion or food or music or any kind of designed element that you say, wow, that was so beautiful. And what I think is the most basic concept behind all of it is... Maybe it's something that is necessary in all of our lives that we come across every day. Mm-hmm. But when it's beautiful and behind that item or that product or that thing you're consuming, there's thought, there's ethics and morality to it. It takes it to another level. And that's where I've started to see the duality of beauty and purpose mm-hmm, and how mm-hmm. architecture can be both things. And it's like the chicken or the egg, which one comes first? <laughs> I completely agree. And I always say this, but I think that's what makes architecture so powerful and so meaningful because it somehow, I mean, good architecture Mm -hmm. and good design, I believe it combines like aesthetically pleasing elements and, you know, well thought out ideas with functionality. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel every architectural piece should represent. All right. So we've been touching on design and architecture and, you know, we started leading into, I guess, the next phase of the interview. Do you think art and design are related and how so? Well, absolutely. I think it depends who you ask. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, For sure. But I think that, again, art is one of these undefined terms to me where depending on your perspective and what you're trying to achieve with it, art can be labeled as art but then architecture can be labeled as art so i think i think that's it's about the definition that you're trying to achieve and the kind of purpose that you're trying to give something i think that things that are used in everyday life that Mm -hmm. are objects that are very purposeful are beautiful as an art piece or sometimes they're just a statement right 
So I think that there is this correlation that is constantly fighting with each other between art and architecture uh-huh. and design, where there there's always boundaries that are being pushed between the two. So when they come together, I think it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, when buildings have wonderful art pieces or whether it's a museum itself, then that dichotomy starts getting really blended. But I think they are related and it's I it's hard for me to truly define it because it's so... I know, and I think that's why I'm so intrigued too by the topic. And I know there's this, because I was reading up on it, and apparently there's like, a, it, this has been like a question that a lot of people have been asking themselves because some people see, some people just see art as a standalone thing and design as, you know, its own thing. And people don't agree that they're interrelated, mm-hmm. but there are some other people, which, you know, I'm also leaning on that side where... I believe that they're definitely interrelated. Mm -hmm. Almost like one can't really um, exist without another kind of deal. Yeah. If you have a painting on a wall, it's very easy to call that art. But you have some sort of other installation that you can move in or space. It's It's defining a boundary for you. I mean, why wouldn't it be... Design or architecture or or any of the other ways you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Going back to your hand sketches, Mm -hmm. right? Have you do you do that often? That's one question. Mm -hmm. And do you incorporate art in your designs or you know in your everyday life? I think that I try and incorporate the sense of art in design. How so? And explain what you mean by the sense of art. Yeah, it's a little... Okay, let me take a step back. <laughs> so, one, going back to the hand sketches, I don't I don't really do that anymore, which is... No way! I know. Not that, I, not that I've left it behind. Uh-huh, it's just, uh-huh. one, it's, it's cumbersome to set up your table and to have, you know, a clean workspace and have a designated area to do that. And then it's hard for me personally for inspiration to strike to create diagrams because that's I love diagramming and mapping and things like that so for me it was like it was so fun to be given a problem a studio project and being able to use my love of diagramming and mapping to get through my thought process Mm. so I think I still do that process differently now I mean I'm at work it's through spreadsheets which has nothing to do (laughs) 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 but I mean in every way I try and convey information as clearly as possible. Mm. So whether I'm communicating verbally or whether I'm communicating via email or presentations that I'm putting together in just my everyday work life, I'm always thinking about how someone's going to receive the information. And if I can make it graphically pleasing, it's, it's about designing all of the elements I'm putting into that information. So I'm trying to get a point across. And there's so many ways that you can do that. Yes. Whether it's infographics or paragraphs of information, you really got to think about who is the person that's on the other end. And I think that as we move through life, those are the things that we keep tweaking mm-hmm. to understand how we can do that. And I think that, I mean, it, it pretty much started through design school. And I don't know if you consider spreadsheets art. I mean, it depends. <laughs> I guess it depends on who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a CPA would. I don't know. But I think that it's it's definitely something that I would love to incorporate more. It's something that I feel is very natural, but I don't see how to incorporate it without figuring out a purpose for it. Hmm. 
What, I guess, what would inspire you to do that? If someone makes me, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing like a deadline, right? I know. There's nothing like a deadline for real. It's like, that's why we have to set deadlines. I'm going to make you do one. All right. Uh, I think that... I'll find something. Something? (laughs) I'll find anything. I mean, I don't know how people can just be creative every single day i think, I think it's, it's amazing hard. yeah i think it's amazing and i think it's hard i'm still trying to get there because if you're given something and you're like okay work within these constraints i feel like i flourish the most in that like oh you don't so have you, total so you liberty work with rules yes you work better with rules i work great with rules because i feel i feel like i can understand the rules and then i can say this purpose whatever i'm working on if I bend the rules, it's going to make a really big impact, right? Or these are the rules that I'm going to stay within because it's really important to make this other point. So I like doing that because it's more of an exercise of, exercise of understanding mm-hmm. certain hierarchies of, of value of things. And it's more fun than just, you know, a blank slate. I feel more overwhelmed when I have a infinite blank. options. Oh, wow. That's an interesting perspective. Talking about how people can be creative every single mm-hmm. day. I'm trying to work on that, honestly. (laughs) I would love to, you know, wake up and say, ooh, I'm going to sketch some or I'm going to design this little shed or something. Mm -hmm. But I've been listening to this podcast by Jay Shetty. Mm -hmm. He's so good. I know, he's fantastic. And um, so in one of his episodes, I can't remember which one right now, but he talks about how he was, you know, it was kind of also a struggle to get into the mind of being creative and... um, Mm-hmm. and technical at the same time so him and his guests the guests that he had on they were sharing i guess ways on how they achieve it or they touched mm-hmm. on that but anyway he said that he set a rule for himself that he would have creative weeks mm. so he would like said you know what this week i'm going to do anything creative and that way the juices kept mm-hmm. flowing because he was able to you know really focus on only the creative aspect mm-hmm. But then, you know, the next week, he's like, this week is only about networking. It's only about technical stuff. We're going to figure out things technically. And he said that helps a lot. So maybe I can try that, but... I think it's probably about taking the pressure off of oneself. Designers are probably their own worst critics. 100%. There's no, there's no end to design. So exactly, when do you put the pen down? When do you you stop? (laughs) I feel we're always striving to get to that perfect, like Mm -hmm. finish line. Mm -hmm. But there's no really, because none of our sets are really complete ever. And I think it's always an evolution. It's, I mean, buildings change, right? Exactly. Buildings have their own lifespans. So what's to say that the day that you submit that permit (laughs) is really going to be, you know, the final design? For real, for real. So. I guess we just have to keep pushing and growing. Would you consider yourself an artist? Hmm. That's a good question. I think that I would, but maybe not in the traditional artist way, Mm -hmm. although I do wear a lot of black. (laughs) But I think black is more for architecture, no? Maybe. I've got the glasses and the black outfit. (laughs) bunch of bags always i know but i'm I'm straying away from the black for architects yeah i'm gonna be the you know architect with a pop of color good yeah we gotta make that change mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but as far as artists i'd i'd like to be considered well-rounded if i can mm, okay because i think that there's so many powerful mediums 
So being so able to, yourself. yeah, being able to write or dance or draw, sketch. You can dance? Maybe a little okay. bit, you know, <laughs> depends who's watching. <laughs> so, I mean, everything is, is about self-expression. So I think being able to remove limits from ourselves mm-hmm. will allow us to identify with those artistic qualities that we have. And maybe we don't feel the judgment of calling yourself an artist, right? Because sometimes it comes with a lot of baggage. And you, maybe you think, oh, I'm not an artist enough. You yeah, know? yeah. I'm not sketching every day. I don't have that moleskin with me next to my bed when I sleep. You know, whatever it is for for you. Well, you but too. Yeah. That's interesting that you mentioned removing the limits to call yourself an artist. Because a few seconds ago, you talked about having, you know, that... Being constrained yeah. to design. <laughs> <laughs> I like bending the rules how I please, I see. <laughs> so it's like when you come to design, you like the rules. But yeah. as an artist, you're like, let me be. Right. I think that the hard part of being labeled an artist is like, then there's an expectation. Hmm. So if there's an expectation for you to maybe act a certain way or have a specific career route or just a a journey that's not yours it starts to get a little bit heavy interesting and maybe we take ourselves too seriously when we label ourselves architect with a capital a artist with a capital a and we can't just be i don't know a designer or we can't just be ourselves or or just express ourselves or express ourselves or have our foot in each of those exactly and i think that's also a challenging part with going through architecture school and then graduating, you know, we're all, we all have this expectation or this expectation Mm -hmm. is like put in our brains, even if it's subconsciously or not, that, you know, once you finish architecture school, you have to get your license, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to work a nine to five, you have to do these things. Mm -hmm. So then when you get out, you kind of get, you freak out and you get confused. Like, what if I don't want to do that? But Mm -hmm. everyone is doing that. And that's just the automatic route to take. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting when you start to see the people that you graduate with taking so many different routes mm-hmm. and we all begin to realize that architecture is just, I feel it's also a form of design and a form of expression, mm-hmm. right? So it's interesting to see when different people start finding their own, um, I guess, their own ways to express themselves as an architect or as mm-hmm. a designer. For me now, I think... You know how architecture... I always say architecture is almost like an outdated profession. <laughs> oh, that I is know. a loaded I know. Okay, okay. Sentence. <laughs> not out... Okay, maybe not outdated, but I feel like a lot of ways that architects think it's is the whole nine to five, a strict schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this whole thing, but I feel there's so much more to architecture, mm-hmm. right? Than just what it is. I don't know. I don't know if I'm you're, making sense. You open up a Pandora's box. I know. Listen, I used to think about this all the time. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's I mean, like some of these things get me riled up because I think about yes. the profession and how it's evolved, right? Exactly. You take a step back and before it used to be law, architecture, and doctors. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the, they were really stable professions. People used to be really respected in that profession. I think that what has gone wrong... Somewhere along the line, 
everyone else almost left us behind. We got like, left behind. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, I feel architecture is, yes, we're definitely involved with the new technology, with the new, you know, how much, how many communities we can reach. But there's a good chunk of the profession that's mm-hmm. still, like, stuck behind, mm-hmm. I feel. I think there's multiple reasons for that. Uh-huh. For one, building is archaic. <laughs> that's the word I was looking for, archaic. Yeah. Yes. Think about it. We still have to submit plans that are in 2D to building departments that review them. And then you still have men or women building on site. Concrete is pretty primitive. Wood is pretty primitive. I mean, they're solid and beautiful materials. It's gorgeous to work with. But, I mean, think about South Florida. It's it's not the kind of beautiful concrete Japanese structure that you're looking for. It's just not that. And if we're still building that way where it's very, with your hands, very primitive, then how are we going to continue to advance if we're still reading plans and building in the same way? There's something beautiful to be said about Mm -hmm. that. But there is no evolution there, right? And the other thing that I think about a lot is that I feel that architecture has sold itself. It has sold itself because they used to be master craftsmen, They used to be engineers. They used to understand the entire building in and out, whether it's built-in furniture, the things that the person touches in the building, the structure, all the systems. It was everything. Mm -hmm. And now we've outsourced so many aspects of our design. I don't know if it's because of economic crises that, you know, everybody brings their prices lower. People have to work for free. You just start dividing design it's- i feel like we we we've outsourced and we've stretched our like all of our services almost mm-hmm. you know how you said you know we used to have a hand in everything before we still kind of do but i feel like we've done that so we could still stick to the design aspect mm-hmm. and i think that's what architecture is struggling with right now like mm-hmm. we're trying to tell the world first of all i don't think a, most people if you're not in architecture you have no idea what architects actually do totally So I think that's what architects and architecture is struggling with, like trying to express to the world that I'm a designer. Like Mm -hmm. my designs are beautiful, like where we appreciate the built environment, we appreciate design and all of those things. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're still trying to almost be like get paid for it. Mm -hmm. Because since people don't really understand that our designs come first, Mm-hmm. then they don't really understand that we need to be paid for those designs because everybody thinks that they're a designer, right? Mm-hmm. But architects are special in the sense that we've been trained to use those, you know, design ideas to mm-hmm. problem solve. Yeah. And I see that all the time where people, because they have more liberties to understand design and be exposed to design, everybody has a design perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now... There's untrained designers and trained designers. And there is a battle that is happening in our field. Exactly. Where, for whatever reason, we're not respected. Whether Exactly. Whether it's the designs that are being put out. I don't know what out, it is. I we do know. so much work to not be respected. <laughs> I don't understand it. Whether it's... I don't know if it's the schooling that we're not... Mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. the schooling is not updated for this generation of design. I don't know if it's... The, the clients that are more sophisticated now and they can be more involved. I don't know what the case is, but there's some disconnect between what product we're putting out as architects and 
people's perspective of it because the first person they want to cut out of a budget is, is the, the architect. architect is the designer designer it's the first thing that goes i can anyone who is a sophisticated client say, i'm gonna design it i don't need to pay someone to do this mm-hmm. when i have a vision nobody cuts out the That's, engineer that, exa- exactly because they need they see that they need mm-hmm. the engineer and honestly i do think that people need architects mm-hmm. i mean i'm you could call me biased because hey, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm trying to be an architect, a licensed architect. But I think that people need architects for a space to function. Mm-hmm. So in this whole like mix up and evolution of the profession and every other profession, somehow we got the sh- shorthand. Mm-hmm. Somehow people were like, you know what, we don't need y'all. <laughs> we're just gonna <laughs> start putting blocks everywhere yeah. and call it a day. I think the other challenge is what are architects responsible for. What are they actually responsible for? Exactly. Where are they going to get in trouble? You're going to get in trouble if you're not meeting your requirements for life safety. Mm-hmm. Maybe not meeting your developer's requirements for FAR, zoning, understanding those things. But other than that, who's going to hold an architect accountable but, for but, design? But you know the, so you know the funny thing? People hold architects accountable for everything mm-hmm. once there's an architect involved in the project we're held responsible for everything if something goes wrong and that's where you know that's where the profession really gets technical and in-depth mm-hmm. and that's i feel like that's the non-design aspect of the profession because that's where you have to be on top of your game and be able to coordinate your projects to the t mm-hmm. and be able to make sure that the contractor is actually doing what he's supposed to do but not too involved because you don't want to mm-hmm. have the liability of the contractor right and you can't pick up a exactly you a tool exactly you can't do all of that crazy stuff on site but i feel like that's where like for our profession to grow and to survive since we've been split up in so many different ways i think that architects now have like a say in every aspect mm-hmm. i don't know if that makes sense like what I'm trying to say is that we're not only the designers. Like in order for our profession to grow and evolve, we've become like the client's rep. We've become mm-hmm. the one overseeing the project, mm-hmm. all the different aspects of the project, and making sure our design actually gets, even if they value engineer the hell out of all of our designs, mm-hmm. to make sure that the overall design intent actually gets conveyed on site and brought to life. Yeah, I you think know? that's critical. If you can't. That's the whole point of having an architect, other than other than all the technical things, right? Exactly. You gotta have a design sense that's getting conveyed, and you gotta do it through your drawings that then gets built. Someone has to understand it, and then eventually you have to walk into a space and feel that feeling that the architect was trying to convey. Yeah. And there's so many twists and turns before you get to that you end point. Get there, and if you ever do, to actually get to see your the building you actually had in mind, right? <laughs> get built. And architecture is for people who have a lot of patience. Oh, yes. And you have to love the profession. You have a project that's going to take you four years to design and three years to build. So you, it's the it's a long game, being able to see something come to life. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Um, that's why the new technology is going to really help mm-hmm. with all this 3D printing going along. Oh, my gosh. I wish. Do you think architecture can inspire art and vice versa? I think it can. Okay. I think that there's qualities of space that you are not able to articulate in an art piece because you are in architecture. 
Wow. You're not always in art, right? Huh. Okay. Okay. So I think that great architects have been able to have really special moments, whether it's a built-in furniture that's next to a window that is designed perfectly so the light comes streaming in so you can read a book in a library that was specifically thought for that moment, right? So Mm -hmm. things like that where you have a quality of space and an experience that allows you to kind of elevate your thinking by living in it, I think that that is definitely inspirational, especially when you're looking at pieces that may be two-dimensional. How do you extract those experiences and turn it into art that's either flat or 3D or whatever it is that you're creating. Another question I was going to ask, what key elements of art do you think are in architecture? Key elements Or key elements that they both share? Scale. Okay. Um, Scale, hierarchy, and I think that touch... If you can touch art, right? Depending on what art you're looking at. (laughs) You can't always touch everything. Um, But I think that that sensitivity to the user and how you walk around an art piece or walk walk around architecture and either feel small or big in the space, I think that there's a lot of commonalities there. Hmm. You're always thinking about your relationship to either the art or the architecture when you're really blown away by it that's that's a different perspective what would you say or what excites you about the future of architecture i hope that architecture school redevelops itself i think that we need to take a step back to move forward i think that jumping straight into computers it's fantastic but they're going back to my hand sketches right there is a really beautiful experience when your hand is creating something that your mind is doing that connection just like when you're writing something is different than plugging away in revit or something so i hope that architecture becomes more inclusive Mm. in a lot of aspects inclusive of different people who may not have been exposed to good architecture but can still create valuable spaces Mm -hmm. and more inclusive of new materials and kind of new environments right being very conscious about the product that you're putting out there i think would go a long way to shaping our cities beautifully said but one last thing. Mm. Do you have any question for me? Where oh. do you... Oh, you weren't ready that, for that? No, that was fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can turn this around real quick. <laughs> um, I want to know what you see in the future of architecture with everyone you've interviewed. I think that you're, you have a unique perspective and you're seeing different generations and different walks of life mm-hmm. coming together in the same industry. So... I mean, where is it going, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, I've actually never sat down to, I guess, think about that, where it's, you know, where exactly architecture is going with all of the people I've interviewed. But I think architecture has a very bright future. Mm -hmm. Because from what I've heard, and, you know, I've interviewed mostly young designers, and everyone seems to be striving and looking for ways to improve the profession 
and also to incorporate new materials with all of their ideas. So it's beautiful. And I think, I guess it kind of gives me hope with the profession Mm -hmm. that we're not always going to be stuck doing the same. Like there's going to be more to architecture than what it is now. Mm -hmm. And more people are going to understand what architecture actually is. At least that's that's what I feel. So I hope that actually happens. I hope so too. <laughs> that's encouraging. <laughs> well, if you don't have any other questions. I think that's it. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having this me. This was a good conversation, I think. I think so too. <laughs> well, thank you, Claudia. Thank you.